drive time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. Now, here's your host, Joe McClain. Speed of Jesus Christ, welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you on this Monday, August 1st, 2022. Praise be to God. Good morning to you. Hopefully your weekend went really, really well. We're going to have a, a wonderful week of incredible conversation, insightful commentary on the biggest issues of our day. Hopefully you can join us all week long. But here's a question. Uh, is monkeypox the new pandemic? Austin Ruse weighs in on this. He has an article out of Crisis Magazine. We're going to be discussing that with him coming up at 35 past the hour. But, you know, there was uh, lots going on over the weekend, of course. You know, the rumors out of Chicago. We all we were talking. Allegedly, Cardinal Supich was going to shut down the ICK. Turns out they're not rumors. In fact, they've been substantiated. Uh, there are pictures uh, floating about the interwebs right now of uh, posts on ICK saying, hey, as of August the 1st, we are no longer allowed to give you refuge. Uh, you are now forced to go to Novus Ordo uh, Mass, at least uh, the first Sunday of every, of every month in the Diocese of Chicago. So there was that. Well, well, all of that is going on to include drag shows and churches in New York, of course. Uh, guess what? I've got the numbers, thanks to the Pillar Catholic, I've got the numbers of the, the participation worldwide in the uh, you know, listening sessions for the Synod on Synodality. We're going to cover that at 15 past the hour. Stick around. It may surprise you. Probably not. Hey, Jay Carney's going to be on from Breitbart at the top of the next hour to give us the, you know, the bright news uh, on the economy. Okay, actually, there is no bright news. But nonetheless, he's going to give us the numbers one way or the other. We did lose two iconic figures over the weekend. Actress Nichelle Nichols, uh, best known for her role in Star Trek as Lieutenant Aurora. Uh, she died at 89. Bill Russell the, from uh, the Celtics fame, one of my dad's uh, favorite players, to be sure. Uh, he was always a huge Celtics fan. Bill Russell died over uh, the weekend. He was 88. He won or helped to win 11 championships in 13 years. Uh, pretty big figure in the basketball world. Pray for their repose. Please do. Hey, as I said, uh, the uh, rumors in Chicago are true. Uh, the Institute of Christ the King in Chicago is no longer allowed to have public masses. It's just really punishing the lay faithful more than anything. Uh, but Louisiana Appeals Court, they have ruled that once again they can enforce a ban on abortion throughout pregnancy. And a major victory there for pro-lifers. Praise be to God. And the Governor Andy Bashir in Kentucky has said that his state's death toll from recent flooding has reached 26 and is expected to increase. Please keep the people in Kentucky in your prayers. Uh, good morning to you, Rudy Carlos. Good morning, Joe. And you know what? What? I didn't die this weekend. Praise be to God. <laughs> I'm, I'm very happy for you. But, well, mostly for your family, but you too. Oh, well, that's good. Yeah. Well, it comes like a thief in the night, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. It does indeed. So it's a God. great day to get right with God. Is it? It is. Uh, well, it it always is, isn't it? We can do that tomorrow, no? No. Oh. Well, you want to take a risk. Uh, maybe. I don't, I don't know. Hey, speaking of thieves, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you. Howdy, howdy. Praise be to God. It's good to be here. Stealing the faith every Stealing single day. Stealing the faith. Me? Uh, well, I'm not, not in a good faith. way, like the good thief on the cross. Well, is what I meant. Pff, 
I uh, wish. I hope. Hopefully, <laughs> I will be uh, steal heaven. We could be so lucky. God. We could yeah. be so fortunate. Eh? Praise be to God. What was on your agenda this weekend, Adrian? Oh, so much. I was incredibly busy this weekend. I don't remember what I did Friday, but Saturday mm-hmm. I was. We had a rehearsal for a play. Really? We had. I was help shooting guns with my buddy. Mm. Had a barbecue to go to, mm-hmm. and Sunday had uh, you know this thing called mass. And mm. then after we had a huge uh, ice cream party. That was fun. <laughs> wow, <laughs> busy weekend. Oh, well, yeah. there was uh, cake involved where I was on Saturday. Oh yeah, I couldn't have any of it, but nonetheless, it looked cake like a giant slab of meat. It did, and I was tempted to to say, "Hey, I'm carnivore. That's <laughs> carnivore. Let's do this thing." Yeah, but unfortunately, it wasn't made out of meat. It was no. made out of cake. Yeah, unfortunately. And, uh, it was for, for my beloved daughter. Happy birthday to Happy her. Happy birthday, Maria. And today is her baptismal anniversary. So really? Keep her in your prayers. That would be great. Wow, praise be to yeah. God. That's amazing. Well, we are going to have a great show. Uh, maybe along the way, I'll give you an update on my carnivore uh, insanity, uh, which uh, I loathe, but nonetheless, I'm doing. Uh, I'll give you an update on how much weight I have lost in uh, just over two weeks. Praise be to God. Uh, but stick around. We're going to pray. We're going to get started. We have a lot to get to. Uh, please do me a favor and do share us with a friend. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come. Before thee I stand sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate. Despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Now your headlines with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. Thanks for tuning into Catholic Drive Time. Today's Monday, August 1st. We made it to August. And here are your headlines this morning. The Epic Times reports Senators Johnson and uh, another Senator, Chuck Grassley, expect deal to conceal indictment of Hunter Biden. Senators Johnson and Chuck Grassley have been involved in a years-long investigation into the business dealings of President Joe Biden's son. In places such as China, Ukraine, and elsewhere, the pair released a report in September 2020 that detailed extensive financial co- uh, connections between Chinese Communist Party-linked entities and individuals and the Hunter Biden. Despite the evidence, Johnson predicts that law enforcement may indict Hunter Biden, but they'll probably seal, they'll, they'll do a deal, and they'll seal all the information and the American public will never get the full truth. Breitbart reports Democrat Mayor Muriel Bowser activates National Guard, illegal immigration at a tipping point in D.C. Mayor Muriel Bowser, a proponent of sanctuary city policies, has activated the National Guard as she says the region is at an illegal immigration turning point with about 4,000 border crossers and illegal aliens arriving in recent weeks. In contrast, nearly 130,000 border crossers and illegal aliens were caught crossing the Texas border alone. The town of Normandy, a really small town in Texas, which has a population of 29 residents, saw about 400 border crossers and illegal aliens this month. The Daily Wire reports Justice Alito claps back at foreign leaders who criticized Dobbs' decision. Alito prefaces comments by talking about a crisis of shrinking freedom of religious uh, speech from foreign courts, which he intended to criticize. He says, quote, I think we can see this sort of narrowing, particularly in the area of religious speech and the jurisprudence of some countries that profess to be dedicated to freedom of speech, freedom of religion, and freedom of conscience. Continuing, he says, I've had some second thoughts over the last week since I had the honor 
this term of writing the only Supreme Court decision in the history of that institution that has been lambasted by a whole string of foreign leaders who felt perfectly fine commenting on American law. One of those was former Prime Minister Boris Johnson, but he paid the price, Alito said, as the audience broke into laughter and applause. And Catholic Vote reports, Catholic school wins religious freedom victory in Indiana. A Chicago Federal Appeals Court ruled on Thursday that Roncalli Catholic School in uh, Indianapolis was within its First Amendment rights to dismiss a guidance counselor who had entered a public same-sex marriage in defiance of Catholic teachings. The, to the court dismissed the lawsuit brought by the former employee who accused the school of violating anti-discrimination law. The court cited the religious freedom of the school and the Archdiocese of Indianapolis in dismissing the case. That's a little bit of good news there. And those are your headline news this morning. God love you. The saint of the day is Saint Alphonsus Liguori. The Alphonsus Liguori. He was born on September 27, 1696. In his day, Alphonsus fought for the liberation of moral theology from the rigidity of Jansenism. His moral theology, which went through 60 editions in the century following him, concentrated on the practical and concrete problems of pastors and confessors. If a certain legalism and minimalism crept into moral theology, it should not be attributed to this model of moderation and gentleness. At the University of Naples, Alphonsus received a doctorate in both canon and civil law by acclamation at the age of 16, but he soon gave up the practice of law for apostolic activity. He was ordained a priest and consecrated his pastoral efforts on popular parish missions, hearing confessions and forming Christian groups. He founded the Redemptorist Congregation in 1732, and it, it was an association of priests and brothers living in a common life dedicated to the imitation of Christ and working mainly in popular missions for peasants in rural areas. Almost as an omen of what was to come later, he found himself deserted after a while by all his original companions, except for one lay brother. But the congregation managed to survive and was formally approved 17 years later, though its troubles weren't over. Alphonsus' great pastoral reforms were in the pulpit and confessional, replacing the pompous oratory of the time with simplicity and the rigorism of Jansenism with kindness. His great fame as a writer has somewhat eclipsed the fact that for 26 years he traveled up and down the kingdom of Naples preaching popular missions. He was made bishop at the age of 66 after trying to reject the honor and at once instituted a thorough reform of his diocese. His greatest sorrow came, though, toward the end of his life, the Redemptorists precariously continuing after the suppression of the Jesuits in 1773, had difficulty in getting their rule approved by the Kingdom of Naples. Alphonsus acceded to the condition that they possessed no property in common, but with the conveyance of a high Redemptorist official, a royal official changed the rule substantially. Alphonsus, old, crippled, and with very bad sight, signed the document unaware that he had been betrayed. The Redemptorists in the Papal States then put themselves under the Pope, who withdrew those in Naples from jurisdiction of Alphonsus. It was only after his death that the branches were reunited. At the age of 71, Alphonsus was afflicted with, with pneumotic pains, which left incurable bending of his neck. Until it was straightened a little, the pressure of his chin caused a raw wound on his chest. He suffered a final 18 months of dark nights, scruples, fears, temptations against every article of faith and every virtue, interspersed with intervals of light and relief, with ecstasies were very frequent. 
Alphonsus is best known for his moral theology, but he also wrote well in the field of spiritual and dogmatic theology. His Glories of Mary is one of the great works on that subject, and his book, Visits to the Blessed Sacrament, went through 40 editions in his lifetime, greatly influencing the practice of this devotion in the church. He died August 1, 1787. St. Alphonsus Liguori, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today coming to us from the propers of the saints is Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 19. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is good for nothing any more but to be cast out and to be trodden on by men. You are the light of the world. A city seated on a mountain cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but upon a candlestick, that it may shine to all that are in the house. So let your light shine before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Do not think that I come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For amen, I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall not pass of the law, till all be fulfilled. He therefore that shall break one of these least commandments and shall so teach men shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But he that shall do and teach, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. St. Chrysostom would say, quote, Not for your own salvation merely, or for a single nation, but for the whole world, is this doctrine committed to you? It is not for you then to flatter and deal smoothly with men, but, on the contrary, to be rough and biting as salt is. When for thus offending men by reproving them ye are reviled, rejoice, for this is the proper effect of salt, to be harsh and grating to the depraved palate. Thus the evil speaking of others will bring you no inconvenience, but will rather be a testimony of your firmness. Close quote, St. Chrysostom. St. Hilary would say, The apostles are preachers of heavenly things, and thus, as it were, salters with eternity, rightly called the salt of the earth, as by the virtue of their teaching, they, as it were, salt and preserve bodies for eternity. Close quote, St. Hilary. Boy, are we being salt to the earth when we embrace the errors of the world and pretend like, hey man, you do you and I'll do me. Where's the charity in that? Let us pray and meditate on this passage today. We'll be right back. What's concerning us? Coming up next. We are a young and diverse generation helping those in need and promoting human rights. We care for the environment. We embrace authentic witnesses and dream of a better world. Our passion comes from God, who loves us even when we fall and cheers on our victories. If you sometimes wonder, is there something more? Then come and see at CatholicsComeHome.com. Some time back, I had a chat with some Jehovah Witness ladies, and they made the assertion that the first Christians didn't believe Jesus was God. That belief was a later invention. But is this true? 
No, it's not. Leaving John 1-1 off to the side for now due to disputes with Jehovah Witnesses over its translation, John 20-28 records the Apostle Thomas saying to Jesus, which literally translates from the Greek, the Lord of me and the God of me. John says of Jesus in 1 John 5.20, This is the true God and eternal life. Paul writes of Jesus in Colossians 2.9, For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. It doesn't get any clearer than that. There are many more passages, but these suffice to show that the first Christians did believe that Jesus was God. I'm Carlo Brusard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Coming up at 35 past the hour, Austin Roos is going to be our guest. He has an article over Crisis Magazine. The, uh, the headline says, The wages of sin is also disease. Reminding me of something Dr. Scott Hahn once wrote about. You know, the price, the consequence of sin is sin itself. And we're going to have a conversation around monkeypox and what that means. All that coming up at 35 past the hour. But there are, as I say, lots of stories in the news that are of great concern to me, and I'm sure they are to you as well. I don't know if you caught, there were several stories over over the weekend. One was the confirmation that, in fact, the Institute of Christ the King is being shut down in Chicago. Uh, We saw pictures, in fact, uh, I think I have an image here of the the actual picture uh, that was going around Twitter, and it basically says, as of August the 1st, the celebration of public masses is suspended. Confession times are discontinued. The chaplain remains open for prayer. And, uh, you know, I reposted this and had a conversation, a uh, little dialogue with a friend of mine who lives up there, and he said essentially the argument is because they were told to not offer the TLM first Sunday of every month. Well, even though that's their charism, that this is a religious society, a religious community, their charism is to provide the TLM and the traditional patrimony, tr- traditional form of piety to Catholics. They are, uh, they are, they are a part of the church, completely in union with Rome. They have no issues whatsoever. But because they refused to not say a Novus Ordo, they didn't. It's, it's totally against their charism on the first Sunday of every month. Uh, and they still had public masses, Cardinal Supich shut them down. Well, the real message here is not so much about the Institute of Christ the King. This is about the lay faithful. The lay faithful who now have no options to go to a traditional Latin mass in the Archdiocese of Chicago on the first Sunday of every month. This was about eliminating all options so those traditional Catholics would be forced to have to go to another parish, to a Novus Ordo parish. Hmm, I wonder if I should parent my kids that way, how that would work out. Uh, There was also this uh, incredibly disgusting image out of uh, New York of a drag show happening inside of a church. Now, okay, I don't know what church this is. I have no idea if if this is a a Protestant and or a Catholic church. Uh, Rudy, Adrian, if you guys have further information, you're welcome to chime in here. But it's disturbing nonetheless, even if this is in fact a Catholic church. Let's just say this is an Anglican church or an Episcopalian, it would be in this case. Something along those lines. It is still incredibly disturbing that this is what's going on in the world around us. And while this is going on, you know, the church, the Catholic church, is eliminating uh, traditional masses for those Catholics who want 
more and not less. Like in Arlington, for instance, when they eliminated 13 of 21 traditional masses in their diocese every single weekend, making it that much harder for Catholics to to receive uh, you know that grace of being able to go to a more traditional community. Golly gee whiz, we allow for this stuff uh, and you eliminate the other. His Holiness Pope Francis on his plane ride back from Poland, in fact, uh, made, you know, some remarks against traditionalists. You know, golly gee whiz, these horrible traditionalists. All right, so, you know, you have the Synod of Synodality coming up, right? So they've been doing all these listening sessions. So golly gee whiz, I wonder... I wonder how much participation there has been, and I wonder what we can expect as a result. Because apparently, what we're seeing is there's nothing more important, no more greater priority coming out of the Vatican right now than to, you know, suppress those Catholics who want more traditional piety, right? Well, I looked at the pillar, and the pillar has an article that says how many people took part in the Synod's diocesan phase. And I wonder, gentlemen... If you might uh, uh, entertain here uh, an idea of, could you guess for me which countries had the highest participation rate in the listening sessions that they hosted? Any idea? (laughs) Off the top. The highest listening. Okay. Uh, hmm. Participation in the listening sessions. Which countries do you think had more participation? More Catholics came out. And, uh, and wanted to participate so they could help to steer, because this is a democracy, you know. We can just do popular votes and decide what the Catholic Church believes and doesn't believe, you know. Well, at the risk of mm-hmm. being too mm-hmm. on the nose, I'm mm-hmm. going to avoid mm-hmm. saying Germany, but I'm going to say instead. You're going to avoid it? Yeah, because okay. that's the obvious answer. Is it? Uh, I'm going to go to South America. South America yeah. is your answer. Somewhere in South America. I don't know which country. You'd be wrong. Venezuela was on the list that uh, the pillar reported, and uh, they were only at 0.29% point, uh, point participation rate. They were busy. So there's the only country in South America they reported on at 0.29%. So less than 1% of all Catholics in Venezuela had anything to do with the listing sessions. Okay. Uh, okay, so hmm. Venezuela is not, it's at the bottom of the list. Is it Germany? Uh, Germany, no. Germany really? is not. Oh, okay. So, uh, can, shall I give you the top three? Sure. Top three. How about that? Okay, top three. So, uh, coming in at number three, Czech Republic. Really? At 2.02%. That is surprising. They are the third best performers in the world, according to this pillar report. Huh. Coming in at number two, the Diocese of Perth in Australia. Okay. Uh, All right. That surprised me, to be honest with you. Yeah. Blown away. These are surprising me Uh, right now. They're at 2.94%, so just shy of 3%. Hmm. uh, As uh, the number two in the entire world participation uh, in the uh, the Synod on Synodality, the listening sessions there. Coming in at number one. Uh, of course, I would say this would be fairly obvious to me. Coming out <laughs> at n- number one, uh, the Diocese of Limerick in Ireland. Oh, boy. At 3.55% participation rate. Well, that's interesting and all, uh, but let's see. How did America fare uh, compared to these heavy hitters, right? I mean, Perth, Australia. Who can compete with Perth, Australia? After all. By the way, this report out of the pillar also really made mention, like, especially in Australia, the devastating effects the pandemic had upon their mass attendance, by the way. So, uh, you know, they, if, uh, if their mass attendance hadn't been wiped out in this case by 34 percent, 
thanks to the pandemic, maybe the numbers would have been better. <laughs> uh, but nonetheless, they are what they are, and there is a pittance of a participation in the Senate upon synodality. But here are the numbers out of the United States, which I find uh, very interesting. Again, there aren't a lot of – he doesn't have, like, data for every diocese. Uh, the, uh, the Arlington Diocese, which, by the way, just as I said a minute ago, eliminated 13 of 21 traditional Latin masses in there. And there are dioceses following after Washington, D.C., you know, Chicago and, and others, uh, Savannah, Georgia. It's, it's almost as if there's like a mandate coming out of the Vatican sort of forcing them to do this. Definitely. And it just reminds mm. me of the quote from Pope Benedict XVI. And mm. He said, mm. what earlier generations held as sacred remains sacred mm. for us, too. And it cannot be all of a sudden entirely forbidden or even considered harmful. Yeah. How is it that uh, we can look at... The mass of the ages, which is what it's what's colloquially called, you know, for so many, for so many years, mm -hmm. this is the mass that that made saints, and all of a sudden overnight, yeah, they are saying no, this is not in unity yeah. with Rome. This is not this is not the authentic expression of the of the of the Latin rite. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, no, it doesn't. And uh, you know, I'm not a uh, air quotes square quotes rad rad. So uh, listen, um, it. it I'm not going to come and uh, bust down your door uh, at the uh, local Novus Ordo uh, suburban parish. Why are you busting down our door? That's the question. We we want to we're part of the same Catholic family. It just it doesn't make sense to to target them in this way. But let me go back to these numbers here real quick. Uh, uh, in the United States, Diocese of Arlington did not provide numbers. They had 145 uh, listening sessions. They didn't want to give the numbers out as far as how many participated. Covington, Kentucky. Oh, let me circle back to them. Uh, Fort Worth, Texas, 112 listening sessions, 0.28%, less than 1%, less than a half of a percent uh, participated in Fort Worth. Knoxville, Tennessee, uh, boy, phew, uh, they also didn't give uh, a lot of numbers, but uh, it says approximately 13% of the diocese Catholic population completed the online survey. That is pretty remarkable. 13% is a very high number for the online survey as compared to others. Uh, Louisville, Kentucky, uh, their participation came in at 1.19%. St. Petersburg, Petersburg, Florida came in at 1.34%. Seattle, Washington at 1.87%. Washington, D.C. didn't give any numbers, but only 0.15% of their 655,000 Catholics responded to their survey. So compare that to Knoxville survey of 13%. Washington, D.C. basically didn't show up at all. Go back to Covington. Covington's participation is the best out of all the numbers that were reported on the Pillars article at 4.91%. Now, what's interesting is in a lot of these sessions, people show up, they get to say whatever they're going to say, but are the conclusions already drawn is the question. You know, Joe, I actually went to one of these listening sessions and because I just wanted to be able to say, hey, you know, they asked us to show up and give our opinions, so I did. And so in the Diocese of Galveston, Houston, myself and about six or seven other of my friends all went there. It wasn't a massive group of people there, but we all went. And we expressed our opinions, and I spoke to some of the people, and they said, you know, to be honest, we kind of already have our talking points. <laughs> and I was like, yep, I kind of expected that. We gave our opinions about everything, and that was pretty much it. It was, uh, like you said, it, it was pretty much a, hey, we're just going to, we're going to listen to you. 
We're yeah. going to hear you. That we're, we're not going to do anything with any of that information. Yeah. We're just going to listen to you, though. Yeah. That reminds me of uh, the company I worked with before. It was very corporate, and they would they would hold these listening sessions. They would send out emails. Mm. Whenever anything big happened, mm. they'd be like, look, we're listening, man. <laughs> We want to hear what you have to say about this. Yeah. And if you had anything other than the the main talking points, it would be like, yeah. well, I, well, hold on there. Don't go too fast there. Yeah. Oh, hang on. Slow down there, you. Really, what we meant was, yeah. well, we just want you to know that we're listening. Now. Yeah, and uh, if you could fill out those TPS reports... Yeah. yeah. So I mean, but that'd be <laughs> the point they're getting at is like, hey, yeah, we're listening. I mean, we're not going to take anything you say into consideration, but we're right. listening. We well, heard. Well, in general, it's like, uh, I'm sorry, um, the lay faithful shouldn't have a popular vote yeah. on the liturgy on which uh, dogmas or doctrines we want to enforce and which ones we don't. I mean, l we're supposed to be salt of the world, right? We're supposed to be light in the darkness. The, the faith that was handed on, as St. Paul would say, by word of mouth or by letter, the tradition that we are holding on to, as St. Paul actually says in his, his letter, uh, is what should be handed on and, and passed down from one generation to the next. It's, I mean, this whole idea of embracing the world, progress, 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 I mean, it, it's not progress if people aren't progressing towards heaven. That's the only real progress we should be truly concerned about. As the fathers of the church commented on today's gospel, uh, unless you're getting people to eternity, it doesn't count, right? So it's really mind-boggling to me that, one, we would uh, actually try to say, hey, what are your opinions? What do you want? Not listen to them, but do it anyway, and then have these foregone conclusions, as we reported last week, you know, uh, the, the Vatican telling Germany, hey, slow down, guys. Wait till we embrace this at the national level or the international level before we go too far off the end here. At the end of the day... Nobody participated worldwide. Out of one billion Catholics, almost no one actually participated. What does that tell you? Fifty years of experimentation. It's time to embrace the faith in its full glory. We'll be right back. More to come. Austin Roots is up next. Looking for a Catholic university where the greatest works of Western and Catholic tradition are the foundation for learning, all in an environment that is faithful to the magisterium? Recommended by the Cardinal Newman Society, the University of Dallas offers an exceptional liberal arts education, preserving the wisdom of the past while preparing students for the world-changing futures. Academically excellent, always faithful. Apply today at udallas.edu. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Money, sex, power. They're all endlessly enticing, but never fulfilling. They always lead to a dead end. Materialism cannot satisfy. Pleasure loses its pleasure. And most people figure that out. And in desperation, they look anywhere for help, except to the church. They look to Eastern philosophies, to spiritualism, to strange new religions. But there's only one answer to their eternal questions. They deny it, they dance around it, they run from it, but they won't try the one thing that works. They won't try it because they know what it costs. Everything. It means taking up your cross and following Jesus in all things. G.K. Chesterton says, The Christian ideal has not been tried and found wanting. It has been found difficult and left untried. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. And now, more headlines. 
Breitbart reports baby formula shortage intensifies with 30% out of stock. I thought this was resolved, but I guess it wasn't. American families continue to struggle with baby formula shortages, and it's intensified with 30% of brands reportedly out of stock. Arizona and Wyoming families felt the brunt of the problem as their out-of-stock rates hit 44 and 42 percent, according to the Daily Mail. During a recent interview on CNN, Representative Ro Khanna, who's a Democrat from California, addressed the formula shortage, noting that Operation Fly Formula, the Biden administration initiative that was meant to help, has only produced one week of baby formula. Axios reports Zelensky orders evacuation of Donetsk region. Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky has ordered the evacuation of the Donetsk, Donetsk region, excuse me, I'm butchering that, where the fight against Russian forces continues at full force. He says, quote, the sooner it's done, the more people will leave Donetsk region now. The fewer the, the Russian army will have time to kill, Zelensky said. As of mid-July, 80% of the Donetsk residents had already fled the region. In LifeSite reports, Vatican reportedly asks Indian Archbishop to resign over ongoing dispute on mass at Orientum. An Archbishop of, Eastern, of the Eastern Rite, Siro Malabar Church, has just resigned in India after pressure from the Ap Apostolic Nuncio over liturgical controversies that centered on whether to face ad Orientum during the mass. From time immemorial, the Church of St. Thomas Christians and later, uh, its continuation as the Syro Malabar Church in the Catholic Communion celebrated the Eucharistic liturgy ad Orientum, which is facing the altar, uh, otherwise known as facing east, as the Western Latin Rite also did. And those were your headline news this morning. God love you. Praise be to God in all things. Thank you for keeping us up to date. Joining us right now via phone is Austin Roos. He has an article out at Crisis Magazine, crisismagazine.com. The headline says, The Wages of Sin is Also Disease. You know, I got criticized, I don't know, it was last week, maybe it was probably the week before, suggesting that there is some connection between monkeypox and sodomy, homosexuality. Uh, I don't know where I would get such things, but uh, we've invited Austin Roos to, to give us some insight on this. Good morning. Good morning to you, Austin Ruse. Thanks for joining our program. Austin, are you there? I am here. Hey, good morning to you. Thanks for being on. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Praise be to God. Uh, your article, The Wages of Sin is Also Disease, reminds me of something I heard or read uh, from Dr. Scott Hahn many years ago about the price of sin. The consequence of sin is the sin itself, right? So, uh, right? So, I'm an alcoholic. That comes with consequences. That comes with baggage. Uh, homosexuality has the same results, wouldn't you say? Well, sure. Um, you know, it is, it, it is a uh, deeply sinful uh, way of life. Um, a great psychiatrist one, one time described homosexuality as, as a bad habit, as, as, a, as a way of life. It's not an identity, it's, it's, and it's, it's a behavior. And so certain behaviors have certain results. Um, and gosh, I was just reading an alert. There, there's this nasty annual event out in the streets of San Francisco. Uh, the name of it escapes me. It's about to start. Um, but it's just like open nastiness everywhere. Mm -hmm. Our friend Joe Schamberg goes out there and passes out rosaries uh, to this event every year. But any, you know, it, it, and what they're advertising, even in the age of monkeypox for that community, they're giving them tips about how to avoid monkeypox and things like that. And, you know, have all the, have, the, have all the great fun that you want. 
and avoid monkeypox. Um, so yeah, there, there are consequences to to uh, to certain kinds of uh, behaviors, um, and uh, that kind of behavior comes with a whole lot of consequences. And it, you'll you'll notice in my piece, I quoted uh, a, a, a paper from 15 years ago by the great Dale O'Leary, where she talked about uh, the confluence of certain of, of certain aspects of that way of life: um, violence, drunkenness, drugs, sexual diseases, um, all converge in what's called a syndemic. And uh, this has been the case in that community. Uh, for, since time immemorial, and especially since they were all, you know, since they all came out of the closet and and started going crazy, you know, 25 years ago. Hmm. Uh, I was I, over. I think it was like last week. I I retweeted something from the Herald Sun that said World Health Organization has called for an unprecedented sex shutdown amid fears monkeypox is racing towards becoming an endemic STD. Um, and I was like, I didn't see myself ever agreeing to the World Health Organization, but here we are. Uh, there's a great oracle. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you, you would think uh, refraining from this type of behavior would be common sense to the world, but it just isn't, is it? Well, no. You know, and, and it's funny because people are largely unwilling to even mention this particular connection. There was this moment on uh, the Kennedy's show on, uh, on Fox business i guess she's on now um it was a panel where they were talking about this and 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 uh, about monkeypox and one of the panelists said you know um the the, the answer here is just don't get involved in gay orgies <laughs> and two of the panelists including kennedy called this guy a bigot hmm. uh even for drawing the connection which came right out of a scientific study that he was quoting from so even quoting and drawing conclusions from the science is bigoted if it goes uh, the wrong way against um, a protected class of person. Yeah, in your article, there's several there's several points in there I think that are really, really good. Here's one that says, quote, In the subways of both cities, uh, you can see advertisements for something called P-R-E-P, a gay party dr uh, drug that claims to allow unremitting sexual activity with no HIV consequences. I mean, again, we're like advertising this, that, I mean, to whomever walks by, like young people, for instance. I mean, it's perverse. Well, it, yeah, it's, it's hard, you know, uh, we, we, my, my family and I, we have young children, 13 and 17, and we will, we go to New York City two or three times a year. Um, and it's uh, riding the subway is an adventure, you know, because they have these ads for a lot of reasons, not not the least of which is they have these ads for PrEP, um, which is a gay party drug. And it, you take it and you go and you have all the wildness that you want, and it's supposed to prevent um, infection from HIV. Now, it, we, we were startled, my, my wife was startled when she discovered that in the Arlington County, uh, in the Fairfax County School District, here in Northern Virginia, they were pushing uh, PrEP on school children, uh, telling them all about PrEP, uh, uh, recommending PrEP to them. Um, so it, it's, it, <laughs> this whole ethos is just wildly out of control. But yeah, PrEP is a really shocking thing, especially when you see it advertised in public on the New York City public school uh, uh, subways. Yeah, there's all kinds of different stuff that you'll see. Uh, I mean, I was there in 2012, and uh, that seems like an eternity ago. But yeah, if you go into the subway, you see all the advertisements. There's some really strange, questionable material up there, and there's videos of people taking stuff down. But uh, I'm wondering, you know, they are presenting this this 
uh, this prep drug as uh, some sort of something good, right? I mean, this is this ultimately does not end in a person with same-sex attractions common good. So, how is it that we can, instead of uh, promote something like that, how is it that we can lead these people back into a chaste life, which is what they're called to be? Well, that's uh, that's the. $60,000 question, you know, um, and I, I really don't have an answer for that. You know, the Catholic Church uh, offers um, this wonderful program called Courage, mm. which, which tries to draw young men and women away from that style of life. Um, you know, and, and I say, as I say in the piece, there are still some brave psychiatrists and psychologists who will uh, assist uh, some people who are highly motivated to leave that style of life. And, and one, of the, one of the great lies that, that that side has told about these efforts is that, you know, it's, it's immoral to try to get somebody to change, that it's impossible to get somebody to change, that it's torturous to get somebody to change. But that's simply not the case. You know, there may have been, been some, some wacky, you know, evangelical programs over the years, but for the most part, it's talk therapy, where you don't want to be doing a certain thing you go and you seek professional help to stop doing that particular thing. Um, and just to reiterate, homosexuality is, is a behavior. It is, it is not an identity. It's not, it's not something that you're born with. It, it is something that you can walk away from. But, as the psychiatrist will say, you have to be highly motivated. And, and that's the case in any, any course of, of, uh, of uh, psychotherapy, uh, psychology. You have to be motivated to change. And if you're motivated to change, Change can happen, uh, but now we're seeing all over this country, um, cities and towns making it illegal to offer talk therapy for something that bothers you, in this case, uh, same-sex uh, attraction and uh, behavior. Uh, you also talk about how it's uh, almost happening exclusively among men. Did you hear that story of those two young boys that had been infected? The two young boys who'd been infected? No, I have not heard that story. Yeah, and they were connected to a group of man-boy love uh, advocates. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, again, very disgusting and perverse. Uh, but yet, uh, you get this homophobia label every time you try to make these connections. Well, you know, uh, gosh, who did I see recently on Facebook announcing that he had his first homosexual... Maybe it was George Takai... Um, who, yeah. who was on That's Star George, Trek on Twitter, announcing that that he was 13 when he had w w when he had his first sexual experience with an older male. Um, they celebrate this unless you point it out. If you point it out, then you're a hater and a bigot. But but they actually celebrate, you know, the quote losing of their virginity. And that, that that that's kind of a sick phrase to use for this particular case. But yeah, that it, it is celebrated in, in, the, in the gay community. Hold that thought. Austin Ruse is our guest. His article is The Wages of Sin is Also Disease from CrisisMagazine.com. You can check it out there. We're going to have a, a greater conversation on this coming up right after this very quick break. Do us a favor and share us with a friend. Catholic Drive Time will be right back. 
Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Have you ever replaced pronouns in the Bible such as who, whom, whosoever, ye, you, etc., and replaced those words with your name and therefore you personalize the Bible to yourself? Do you do that? Is that a safe way to read the Bible? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, Bible complexity. Mechanics study motors. Architects study design. Linguists study syntax. But for the most part, Christians don't study the how-tos of safe biblical interpretation called Called hermeneutics. Secondly, Aquinas. In the Summa, we see the caution. Aquinas says of the Bible, quote, the manner of its speech transcends every science because in one and the same sentence, while it describes a fact, it reveals a mystery and thoroughly a tough comeback. I know it seems plausible to simply say the Bible is a love letter straight from God to humanity, but wait a minute. A sentence or a paragraph in a love letter has context. Yes, with great caution, we can personalize some context, but remember, when you're at the central figure in the Bible, God isn't, and that's just wrong. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to do some Bible reading. Wouldn't it be great if everyone read the Bible regularly? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClane. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Austin Ruse is back on the program. Uh, he has an article over at Crisis Magazine, The Wages of Sin is Also Disease. Welcome back to the show, Austin Ruse. Thank you so much. Uh, you know, during the break, we were, we were just sort of relating back to AIDS, right? Uh, HIV AIDS. And how when that uh, started breaking out, uh, they... They were reluctant to admit that connection, too, back to the homosexual lifestyle, homosexual community. Uh, do you see any great parallels here? Well, uh, you know, I'm old enough to remember the, the cover. Well, I'm old enough to remember when news magazines meant something, when they were huge and everybody read them. And I remember <laughs> the cover of Newsweek magazine that basically said that everybody was going to get HIV. Right. Uh, and, and, and I remember it, it's like everybody would get tested, too. You know, um, it, it was a little bit like uh, COVID, where you know, if you got the sniffles, you uh, you had to get tested. And um, and now we know that not everybody can get it. Mm -hmm. it, it. It it's generally you know, and to this day, it is limited to a particular community, which is the which is the gay community, people who you know use same needles and, and shooting up drugs and and things like that. And and you know, I quoted this paper from the remarkable Dale O'Leary, uh, who was an is she's still alive an independent researcher who was very active, you know, 10, 20 years ago. She, she was well ahead of everybody on everything. She wrote a wonderful book called The Gender Agenda, which 25 years ago spelled out everything that we're going through now. Um, anyway, she wrote a paper uh, about this, pen, this pandemic that's going on in, in the gay community. Um, and, and that's where it's happening. It, it's like they have diseases in that community that we thought we had cured. That are making, that are roaring back with a vengeance. Um, and then, if you, if, if, if there were things in the in the piece that my editor took out, <laughs> wow, about some of the things that I came across, you know, of, of, you know, the, these uh, circuit parties and you know, going to Fire Island, and there's a particular B, the hotel on Fire Island that's, that's closest to to 
to Boy Beach, and you know they have a bear party there, and all all this kind of stuff that would be utterly foreign to regular people, which is which is the common currency of the homosexual style of life. Uh, Mr. Ruse, you know, I, I'm wondering what your take is on the the changing of psychological definitions. You know, I, I, I can't remember the name of the book that's used for uh, psychology, but it changes from time to time. And it used to be that homosexuality was was considered um, it was considered more of like a, a mental disorder, but now it's yeah. it's not. How do you um, how do you see the uh, the psychological uh, uh, framework nowadays is it infiltrated by by uh, people who who want to redefine things or was it always kind of straightforward you know um i will commend to you uh, a very important article by a psychiatrist named Jer- Je- jeffrey satinover um called the velvet couch and he tells the story of how the definition in the in the psychological diagnostic manual was oh, changed and and it was changed through politics and bullying and threats and not through science. Um, I cover a lot of this material in one of, one of my previous books called Fake Science, uh, where I look at the development of the change in the definition of uh, of uh, homosexuality as as a, as a uh, psychological condition. Um, and 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 quite frankly, when when you look at where it comes from, and even even the ca- Catholic Catechism says that it uh, has a psychological origin. It says the psychological origin of, of homosexuality is indetermined. But it says it's a psychological condition. And it is. Um, it's not inborn. There's, there's never been a gay gene discovered. Um, and, and they rely on this particular thing for a whole host of reasons. To change the definition in psychiatry, to, to ensure that, um, that homosexual behavior is not uh, legally penalized. Um, and j- just think of the Lawrence v. Texas decision that predated the Obergefell uh, um, same-sex marriage uh, decision. Lawrence v. Texas said that a particular homosexual act is constitutionally protected. So, so you go back and you look at how all of this changed. It's pretty, you know, one thing I say about this is hats off to these guys for what they were able to achieve in such a short amount of time. Hmm. It's quite astounding. Um, you know, I commend to you a really wonderful book by Robert Riley called Making Gay Okay. Um, and he goes through how they were able to change society almost overnight on these issues. But changing the diagnostic manual was the first and most important thing that they did. You know, Austin, I was just thinking about what you're saying here, and it's really surprising to me the fact that people seem to not care about the being natural when uh, this whole time the same people who are doing these unnatural acts are the same people who are saying, oh, we need to use crystals, oh, we need to use holistic remedies, oh, we need to use these kind of things. But then in the same vein, there'll be vegans and this whole whole thing but they will then do these unnatural acts that are co- exactly contrary to nature and has now more and more been proven to cause disease and things like monkeypox, things like AIDS, like we've been talking about. Why do you think there's this move between the same community to, have, to be natural, but then also to be completely unnatural? Yeah, that is a really good question. 
That's a really good question. You know, it's, it's, it's the same thing with the contraceptive pill. You know, people who would not put foreign substances into their bodies because they're unhealthy, you know, that they, they, they will only eat organically raised, you know, vegetables, but they will take the, uh, the contraceptive pill, which shuts down an entire system in their bodies. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a puzzle. It's a puzzle. I mean, at the heart of all of this is the desire to be completely and utterly free from constraints that they believe will keep them from happiness. Um, so they, they, they believe that they will not be happy unless they have complete unfettered sexual freedom. Um, you know, it's funny. There's a couple of books coming out. One just came out. I can't remember the name of it. There's another one coming out uh, out of uh, Great Britain here in a couple of weeks. Um, a, a feminist uh, announcing against the sexual revolution. You know, the sexual revolution has been poison to, to men and women, especially women. Um, so, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe the pendulum is, is swinging. Uh, I don't know. We can, we can only hope so. You know, it's another interesting thing is that there's a, there's a movement to try to normalize homosexuality. I mean, obviously it's happened already with legalizing gay marriage, but trying to make heterosexuals uh, think that being homo you can do gay things without actually being a homosexual yourself. What I mean is, so people will say, oh, just because you have you do a gay act doesn't actually make you homosexual. And uh, an example of this is people talking about heterosexual orgies and the the whole the very word of orgy, the definition of what it is, implies that it's going to be homosexual uh, to some degree. Do you, do you seen anything with that movement of trying to make people say, hey, you can do homosexual acts without actually being a homosexual. I've seen that quite a bit, and it's quite odd and concerning. You know, and one of the problems with that notion is, um, as uh, psychiatrist friends tell me, is that uh, homosexuality is, is, is basically a bad habit. And you can get into that habit. You know, the great Joe Chambra, who used to live in that world and, and now uh, is out of it and is trying to bring some of his brothers out of that whole world, um, said, you know, that one of the reasons that he went into that world is because it, in his fevered imagination, um, even prostitutes would not do the things that he wanted to do. But he found a, an eager population in, in the gay community. And, and that becomes habituated. And that certainly becomes habituated with, with young men who are then confused in these particular situations because they had a particular response. And so then you have a particular response again, and you go, oh, well, this is the way that I am. So, so yeah, it is a very dangerous thing to, to try and habitu to allow habituation to set in with these particular ideas. You know, and, and, and you know, one wonders um, the effect in that way that pornography has on people mm. because, you know, you, you see things and you see behaviors that you wouldn't necessarily see and, you, you know, maybe in the beginning you find them offensive, but then, then you don't. You know, it's, it's, um, it is a kind of recruitment. There's, there's no question about that. Yeah, slippery slope, right? The, uh, you're on the same slope from heterosexual uh, perverse sexual behavior to homosexual perverse uh, sexual behavior. It's the same sliding sco uh, slope uh, when it comes to pornography, for sure. Which uh, We have a couple of minutes left with Austin Roos here, so let me tie into that a little bit to say, uh, as Adrian was saying, we seem to be normalizing this behavior, making it seem like it's somehow okay. You know, you can dabble. It's perfectly fine. Even within 
marriage between man and a woman. But I see like, okay, where is the defense for marriage between man and a woman? Even within the church, we seem to not really be speaking out in a significant way. And I'm thinking of the bishops in particular, uh, trying to defend a traditional marriage. Uh, against these sort of perversities in society, we see rather a, somewhat of a, a, a passive embracing of this behavior and trying to pretend like it's somehow okay or normal. What say you, Austin Roos? You know, I attended the, the wake and funeral of a woman, young woman last week. Her name is Mary Teller here in Northern Virginia. Um, and she came from uh, a big family here in Northern Virginia. Um, uh, and I went to her wake. There was an hour-long wait to say a prayer in front of the casket and greet the family. Um, and, and at the, the funeral mass, it was standing room only at a big church in Washington, D.C. Pardon me. Our <coughs> Monday morning is when they mow the yard here <laughs> in, in our office complex. Um, and what occurred to me is that her mom and dad, um, uh, Bill and Betsy Moss, didn't just form a family. They founded a family. And what that meant was that they had a lot of kids who then had a lot of friends who were from overlapping communities. The, the high school here in, in um, Maryland, uh, Oak Crest School for Girls in, um, in, in Virginia, the University of Dallas. And so they founded a family that, that reached out across the country. Um, and and, and I, I don't know, I'm, I'm going to write about this at Crisis this week and probably write about it again in a few weeks. The idea of not just forming a family, that is to say getting married, but founding a family, the idea of practically founding a dynasty mm. um, that will reach down through the ages, which is precisely what Bill and, Bill and Betsy Moss did. And, and it just showed abundantly the power of that. Um, Anyway, just, just a little bit of rambling that's been on my mind yeah. since I went to Mary Teller's wake and funeral. It was astounding. It was really moving. Yeah, we need to defend marriage. In a world that wants to toss it out like garbage or refuse, we must stand up and be light and salt in a dark, dark world. Austin Roos, thank you for your time today. We appreciate you. Check him out online at uh, crisismagazine.org. Look for his article, The Wages of Sin is Also Disease. God bless you, Austin. Have a great day. That's going to do it for hour number one. If you can join us in the second hour, John Carney from Breitbart is going to be on talking about the economy. What do those numbers actually mean for you? That's coming up next. Otherwise, we'll see you back here tomorrow morning. God bless you. God love you. We'll see you then. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question. Should pastors and churches place expectations and obligations on the congregation? Your average non-Catholic evangelical would say no, maybe even no way. It might be said, we do not need written order, discipline, or expectations. Those should derive from personal desire and from the Holy Spirit, not from a church. Or, each Christian's conscience should be sufficient for correction and discipline. Or, the Holy Spirit will personally lead each believer as to what church or to attend, and certainly how often they should go. So here's your three best friends tools for Catholic evangelism. Natural law says human society cannot be well-ordered nor prosperous unless it has legitimate authority to preserve its own institution, the Bible. Secondly, the Bible, which says in multiple places such as Hebrews 13, 17, obey them that have the rule over you. And thirdly, the Catholic Church says when we are properly ordered, we will be capable of resisting conformity to the contemporary demands of unhealthy individualism. So obligations, much obliged. 
Our family has spanned the centuries and the globe. With God's grace, we started hospitals to care for the sick. We established orphanages and helped the poor. We are the largest charitable organization on the planet, bringing comfort to those in need. We educate more children than any other institution. We developed the scientific method and founded the college system. We defend the dignity of human life and uphold marriage. Guided by the Holy Spirit, we compiled the Bible. We are transformed by sacred scripture and sacred tradition, which have guided us for 2,000 years. We are the Catholic Church. With over one billion in our family, sharing in the sacraments and fullness of the Christian faith, Jesus started our church when he said to Peter, the first pope, You are rock, and upon this rock I will build my church. So if you've been away from the Catholic Church, we invite you to take another look. Visit catholicscomehome.org today. We are Catholic. Welcome home. Are you on the CDT Insider email list? Hi, Joe McLean here. And every week I send you cool stuff straight to your inbox. Hi, I'm Father Ricardo Ariola from St. Bartholomew the Apostle. You're listening to AM 1430 KSHJ Houston, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, John McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Good morning. Hopefully your weekend went really, really well. We just wrapped up a conversation with Austin Roos. A very difficult topic to be sure. Uh, but nonetheless, an important one to have. And if you missed that conversation about monkeypox and all of that, and you want to uh, to, uh, to get that, you can actually listen to it via our podcast feed, which, by the way, uh, we're seeing some uh, new five-star commenters there. Praise be to God. By their own free will, I had nothing to do uh, <laughs> with them leaving the five-star review. I did hmm. not uh, pay them, force them in any way, uh, shape or form to leave us a five-star review on the uh, Apple iTunes store. You didn't purchase an indulgence? I didn't purchase any indulgences. Hmm. Um, I mean, they just, out of the goodness of their uh, itty-bitty heart, as my grandma used to say, is, is they the have left us a credible name review. says Jay McClain. Mm. I'm sorry, who? Who is I'm Jay McClain? I, I don't know. Uh, Different spelling. Is that yeah. Die Hard? Is that what we're talking about? John? <laughs> is this John? Was that <laughs> Bruce Willis? Bruce Willis left us a review? Very interesting. Are you suggesting? Okay. okay. That? No. Hmm. Very peculiar. Hmm. Well, uh, let's see here. Uh, let's see here. Uh, here's one from Subprime. Subprime. Totally legit. Okay. Uh, Subprime. Subprime back on July the 26th said, looking for an alternative to NPR? Real news for Catholics concerning current events in the United States and the world. <laughs> He deserves a little bit of... <laughs> yes, sir. Five stars, praise be to God. Uh, entertaining and educational, says Josh122487. Odd name, but okay. Listen, I'm not going to judge his parents. Are you a robot? You know what I'm saying? Uh, 122487. Uh, maybe that's uh, some sort of code. It could be. Could be. The code says, help me, Joe is making me do this. Josh122487 says, this show is great. Give it a listen. Praise be to God. Thank you. Uh, Yabara says, uh, no fake news, inspiring educational morning show. Praise be to God. Five stars. Thank nice. you. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. Um, Eddie Hoyos, uh, Ed, Ed Hoyos, 
I'm not sure how to say all of that, but says, I have been listening to this show since it started, and I look forward to it every morning. It really is inspiring, very informative. Keep up the great work, Joe, Adrian, and Rudy. I have no doubt that it's God's work. Praise, Praise be to God. God. Wow. So uh, those are just some of the incredible Karen and Buffalo. Uh, praise be to Jesus, says, this is the only morning show I listen to. It's got humor, great news, information, and guests. I love it, and the people, Karen. Karen, God love you. Thank you for that. So five stars. Uh, we are very grateful for our five-star rating, and all of those who have left us either a comment and or just left the five stars on the iTunes store because it helps us to grow our audience organically. It's a great thing you can do to support what we do. So if you can, go to your Apple iTunes store account, Find the Catholic Drive Time podcast there and leave a five-star, which you are contractually obligated to do anyway. <laughs> of your own free will, of course. Yeah, of course. But you have no choice. Just do it anyway. <laughs> so, praise Jesus. The other way to listen to our podcast is, of course, via our uh, you know, website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. You can also listen on the Google Play Store, Spotify Store as well. Uh, is that a store? Spotify? It's probably not. It's probably Spotify? Well, you could pay for it. And you won't get ads. Don't do it. Don't do it. Just, uh, just yeah. go to our website. You can listen to it without ads. Yeah. grnonline.com forward slash CDT. But another great way to do it is to simply download the Guadalupe Radio Network mobile app where you can listen to the Catholic Drive Time podcast in the fly out there. Absolutely for free. No ads. Go to your app store and search for the Guadalupe Radio Network. You can find it in the downloads. It's great. Praise be to God. But let's, uh, let's go to our guest. John Carney from Breitbart News is joining us via Zoom chat. He's got some great articles out on Breitbart about the economy. Good morning to you, Mr. Carney. Did you uh, unmute, uh, unmute your Zoom chat there? Well, hopefully he'll <laughs> unmute that in one second. There was several articles. You might remember that uh, last week, at the end of last week, the GDP report came out. And uh, there was a lot of debate over whether or not our country is, in fact, in an inflation. And, uh, you know, the, according to uh, Mr. Carney, who hopefully will unmute himself, and we'll talk to chat with him in one second, said the government reported Thursday that the gross domestic product shrank by 0.9% in the April through June period. Economists had expected the economy to grow by 0.3%. So not only did it not grow by 03 it shrunk by 0.9. So that's over a percentage point diff right there. And the question became a hotly contested debate as to whether or not we were in recession. So a lot of people would su suggest that two straight quarters of negative growth equals recession. But we wonder, because the, the Biden administration had, was vehemently opposed to using the word recession. We're not in a recession. Too many good things to say. Uh, we wanted to get John Carney to weigh in on this. Good morning to you, Mr. Carney. Good morning. How are you guys? Praise be to God, we are alive. That counts. How are you? <laughs> I am live as well, so that's good news <laughs> for all of us. It's a great start to the day. Uh, what is the story on the uh, GDP report that came out last week? Well, so th we had contracted in the first quarter, so the, which means the economy shrank, and then we contracted for a second quarter. For a lot of people... A very good rule of thumb about whether or not you are in a recession is do you have two consecutive quarters of contraction? And we have had that. It does appear that the economy <coughs> shrank for the entire first half of the year. That doesn't mean no parts of the economy grew. There are parts of the economy that grew. Consumer spending was up. But we did see 
uh, consumer spending slowdown. We had a pretty big expansion, especially in the beginning of the year, of trade deficits because we imported a lot of stuff and the rest of the world bought a lot less of our stuff. And then we saw a slowdown, pretty big slowdown, in inventory building by businesses. They built up huge inventories last year, particularly when people were buying so much goods uh, and they thought that the holiday season would go very, very well. It didn't go as well as they thought. They came into this year still thinking that a little bit overly optimistic about what people were going to buy. Inflation, high gas prices, high food prices basically chased consumers out of being able to buy discretionary items. Mm. And so we saw people spending more on necessities, which means they have less to spend on you know, new clothes for the kids, definitely less to spend on things like appliances. So that's one of the, the, the big things that led into this contraction is people having to shift their spending because some things that they can't not buy, food and gasoline, uh, are so expensive that they end up not buying a lot of things that they would like to buy. In your article, Consumer Spending Pushed Up by Highest Inflation in Decades, article over at Breitbart, Breitbart.com. Uh, just check them out there, by the way. Uh, you do mention, as you said a second ago, consumers spent 1.1% more in June, up uh, from a 0.3% in May. But isn't that part of the issue? Is uh, So we're suffering from inflation, so the technique is then to... Uh, raise uh, the interest rates in order to get people to stop spending at the same velocity that they had been previously. So won't this metric continue to make the problem worse? Yes, um, th this is going to be an ongoing problem. Um, even though the price of gasoline has come down uh, quite a bit, it's still much higher than it was a year ago. And there's been no sign of a slowdown in food inflation. Uh, I can tell you, I was just at the grocery store this weekend, and some of the, you know, some of the things make you say, "Oh, oh my gosh!" You know, I hadn't had to buy mustard for a while. You don't go, to mustard. <laughs> so, you know, but you know, it's it's summer barbecue season, so I, you know, ran out of mustard, had to buy some, and it was much more expensive than it was the last time I bought it, probably just you know in May. So pr food inflation is still happening. One of the things we talk about, we have a Breitbart Business Digest uh, newsletter that comes out every night. Everybody can subscribe to it for free. One of the things we talk about in there a lot is this idea that things that look like growth in non-inflationary times, like consumer spending going up, and that means people are getting more stuff, in inflationary times actually might not be growth at all, just prices going up. Mm, wow. Well, for so the res, then I guess the response is the Fed needs to continue to raise interest rates in order to try to cool down the market everywhere. But uh, from what I understand, every one percent that they increase the interest rate, that equates to millions and millions and millions, hundreds of millions of dollars in debt payments at the federal level. Yeah, that's right. It does drive up the cost of government debt. It also, one of the very first effects it has on households is it dries up the cost of people who buy homes and the mortgage rate is, goes up. The mortgage rate is, you know, we, at the beginning of the year, we had something like a 3.2% mortgage rate. We're now up at 525 We've been up as, as much as 55 for a 30-year fixed mortgage. 
So that makes that's one of the things that actually may, slows down spending. When people are spending that much for their mortgage, it leaves them less money in the rest of the economy. It also slows down home building because obviously fewer people can afford homes when interest rates are that high. And that's how this Fed policy transfers into the greater economy. It means it puts pressure on the federal government to spend less money because their payments go up, but then also car payments, home payments go up, and that puts pressure on households to spend less money. Eventually, corporate uh, debt becomes more expensive, and so corporations invest less. That's how monetary policy cools down the economy, by making it more expensive to borrow money. Yeah, and a lot of these... Uh, uh these forecasters of the housing market in particular are saying they don't expect a big burst of that bubble. They just expect it to cool off in 2023. Already we're seeing like uh, new home sales slow down. Uh, you know, uh, houses that have been on the market aren't selling quite as fast as they had been back in June or May. How do you see it? Do you think there's going to be a big bust as these interest rates climb? I don't think there will be a very big bust. I think that we, one of the things that happened when interest rates were very low and demand for housing was very hot over the last two years, we sort of pulled forward a lot of the normal home gains you would see. So instead of housing going up, you know, 5% a year, we went up 20% for a couple of years in a row. Mm. That, what that tells me is that you're not going to go up a lot next year or the year after that. You basically packed all of the home price gains into last year and this year, frankly. Uh, and now that interest rates are going up, I don't see a crash except maybe in some of the hottest markets. Mm -hmm. you know, places like Miami, Phoenix, where home prices are up 35%, I would be worried if I was trying, if I was planning to sell a home next year in those super hot markets because I think the price might be coming down. But nationwide, I don't see that. And frankly, even though home sales have slowed down, so your home sits on the market for a little longer, historically, they're still selling really fast. I had a neighbor the other day put his home on the market on a Friday. Monday, he had a contract. So what? This is incredible. <laughs> it's rough if you're trying to buy, and especially oh, yeah. if you're a first-time buyer. Uh, let's switch over to the, uh, to the Inflation Reduction Act of 2022, the great effort by the Biden administration to uh, address these major economic concerns that we have. Uh, how do you see this? Is this a good thing? Is this uh, just sort of lipstick on a pig? What are we dealing with? If this were a private company putting forward this product, they would be sued by the Federal Trade Commission for false advertising. There is nothing in this that reduces inflation. In fact, I think it's more likely to make inflation worse. They've called it the Inflation Reduction Act. They should be ashamed of themselves. I am pretty cynical about the government. This like blew my mind that they would call it the Inflation Reduction Act. First of all, in the first couple of years, it spends more than it takes in in taxes. That's so, it, so it is inflationary in the near term. And that's always the promise, right? Like, oh, no, we'll make it budget neutral by, you know, putting on some taxes five years from now. And, that, and we'll lower the spending then. And that never happens. So it's, so, so it's not even really budget neutral. 
And to the extent it is budget neutral, that doesn't matter. Because when you tax money that wasn't going to be spent into the real economy, so for instance, you raise taxes on hedge funds. Fine, you want to raise taxes on hedge funds, go ahead. Don't expect that that's going to lower demand for gasoline and milk where the rest of us are feeling the inflation. It's not going to because they weren't spending that money on gasoline and milk. So you tax that out, it does nothing to reduce inflation. Hey, we are out of time, but John Carney from Breitbart.com, thank you for this insight into the economy. We, we are very grateful for your time and look forward to having you back soon. Check his articles out. He's got several. Breitbart.com, search for John Carney. You're going to find some good information there. Uh, God bless you, John. Have a great day. We're going to come back. We're going to play our game show, Fear and Trembling. New prizes at stake, and you could win. 877-757-9424. Call right now. We'll be right back. Some friends who are Catholic who say that you don't have to believe everything that the church teaches, whether it's in the catechism or not. Is that true? No, it's not true. If you want to call yourself Catholic, but you want to pick and choose for yourself which of the church's teachings to accept and which to reject, you give everyone else who calls himself Catholic the right to do the same thing. For example, you believe women should be priests. In the Catechism of the Catholic Church, paragraph 1577, it states, Only a baptized man validly receives ordination. For this reason, the ordination of women is not possible. You don't believe that. Well, that's fine. I just made this a catechism of your Catholic Church, but not mine. But remember, if you can throw doctrines out, so can everyone else who calls himself Catholic. That gives Joe Parishioner over at St. Doubting Thomas Catholic Church the right to throw out the church's social justice teachings. He doesn't feel like feeding the hungry, caring for the poor, and all that other bleeding heart stuff. Paragraphs 2401-2463. I just made this a catechism of his Catholic Church, but not mine. You believe contraception is okay. Paragraph 2370 says contraception is intrinsically evil. Joe Parishioner doesn't like what the church teaches on the death penalty. Paragraphs 2364-65. You don't like what it teaches on these pages, pages 505-508. to He doesn't like what it teaches on these other pages here, pages 610-615. to Can you see what's happening? I heard it said once that there is a shortage of vocations to the priesthood in the United States, but no shortage of vocations to the papacy. If we don't believe in all of it, if we each appoint ourselves Pope and throw out a doctrine here or a doctrine there, then our faith is no longer Catholic. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Welcome to another round of Fear and Trembling, (laughs) the Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot, 877-757-9424. And now, your host... Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling, the Catholic trivia game show where we have prizes, but most importantly, secrets and agendas. But what we need most is a phone call to play our game. If you would like the first three chances to get on this week's prize pack, well, you should call right now. Phone lines are open. Adrian Fonseca standing by to take your call at 877-757-9424. That phone number is 
877-757-9424. That's 877-757-9424. Call right now. First caller gets to play the game at 877-757-9424. But there are a couple of things that we like to do here on the down low. We like to keep it just between us. You should whisper it. Okay. Number one, we like to teach the first. Okay? So we look for teachable moments in the questions where you just might learn something you didn't know before about your Catholic faith. Praise be to God. And, you know, before you know it, Christmas season's going to be here, and you're going to have cocktail parties to go to, and you're going to need, like, you know, icebreakers and fascinating facts to, like, w you know, wow the crowd. Well, this is your chance. Take notes. You're going to learn something. And uh, number two, we like to have a laugh, a chuckle, a good time, and our callers are amazing. They first have to call that number, though, 877-757-9424. Call right now. Phone lines are open at 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. Then, of course, we give out prizes, which means this is a winner for everybody involved. But, you know, hey, listen, if you're new here, I shall explain. I do have three Catholic trivia questions in front of me. It's true, I do. But I don't ask callers the questions so they don't need to know the answers. They could win without ever knowing a single correct answer. And that's because I will instead ask Rudy and Adrian. One will give us a correct. The other will give us an incorrect answer. The caller will then have 15 seconds on the clock to make a decision. Whoopst, do they trust more? Rudy or Adrian, and every correct answer will go into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Rudy, what could they win? Praise be to God. Our sponsor this week is very punny. Teology of the body, as in T-shirt. Teology of the body. That's good. The winner this week is going to win one of their Blood of the New and Eternal Covenant shirts, which features the chalice of the precious blood of our Lord nice. Jesus. Now, just think of the awesome opportunities for conversation that you're going to have when you're mm -hmm. wearing this wonderful mm -hmm. shirt. Mm -hmm. now, if you'd like to get one for yourself, check out Teology on the of the Body, rather on Etsy. <laughs> That's uh, Teology of the Body Etsy.com, or connect with them on Twitter, Teology of the Body. And on Instagram, Theology of the Body Shop. Dot, uh, sorry, Theology of the Body. Dot shop on Instagram. Easy Thank you, you so say. much. It's a good thing you got <laughs> what f f four other chances to say all of that. Yes. Right. Tomorrow it'll be even better. <laughs> Tomorrow it'll be <laughs> even better. Well, thank you, Theology of the Body. Like that play on words. That's that's fun. Praise be to God. All right, let's go to the phones. Uh, hello. Good morning to you, Eva, and uh, the kids. How are you? Hi. Praise be Good to morning. God. Is this our friends from Annunciation in downtown Houston? Yes, sir. How are you? Good. Yes. Nice. Praise be to God. It is a good day. Where are you guys headed off to today? Home. We just went to Mass. Oh, very, very nice. Praise be to God. Did you pray for us? Yeah, I, hopefully you did. <laughs> hopefully you did. <laughs> now, I, I, we spoke to your husband probably a month or so ago, maybe two, maybe. Uh, so is life good for you guys? You guys are doing well? We are doing great. We're doing great. Thank oh, you. Praise be to Jesus. All right, guys. I know you guys know how this works. Are you ready to play the game? Yes. I feel it is my solemn and moral duty to warn you, though, that not only is Rudy wearing a tie today, but it is a black polka dot tie. So, uh, well, you know what that means. Yeah. Me neither. <laughs> Clouds on a field of chocolate. Is that what it is? From I guess I'm something just getting old because it looks black and white to me from this distance. So you're saying white, white something or other on a chocolate field. Yes. 
All right, Ava and the kids, be warned. Be very warned. You have to really contemplate the depth and meaning of that. But here we go. We start with Team Rudy. Good morning to you. Good morning. Rudy Carlos. Good morning. Uh, tie it all. Are you ready, sir? I'm ready. Are you sure? I really am. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Are you really ready? Yeah, I'm so okay. ready. Okay. All right. Let's start with one of our all-time favorite folks. Right, let's do it. Okay. Here we go. Could you tell me who was Angelo Roncalli? Angelo Roncalli. Okay, so you look at the the Pope, right? He's yeah. wearing something. Okay. Yeah. Well, the Pope just doesn't go out to Macy's and get his suits no? or anything like this. Classics. Really? Are you sure? No. Angelo Roncalli mm-hmm. is the guy that he goes to. He's the papal tailor. Oh, yeah. I see. Italian. Yeah, he's, a, he's an Italian tailor. He makes all the papal clothing. Look yeah. at that. Wow. Only the finest. Does that include the red shoes? No, that's somebody else. That's oh, the papal cobbler. Oh. His brother. Friend. Okay, okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, I know Adrian is an expert on all things papal outfits. It's true. Uh, this is true. Good morning to you, Adrian. Good morning. Good morning. Praise be to God. Um, could you tell me who was Angelo Roncalli? Well, yes. As a uh, self-identified PhD in Angelo Roncalli's, uh, I am an expert on all things Angelo Roncalli's. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. of all the Roncalli's of in the whole world, them. all I the see. Angelo Roncalli's specifically. And it. that is mm-hmm. Pope John the Twenty-Third. Really? Mm-hmm. And not, not not the anti-Pope Pope not, John Twenty-Third. Oh, the <laughs> actual. Yeah, the, yeah, the, the one <laughs> that was like the one that convened Vatican II. That one. I see. Mm-hmm. Uh, and not the Taylor. Not the tailor of of, of, Jay, no, of John the Twenty Third. No, no, I see. Okay. Well, Ava and the kids, you've got options here. Do you think that Angelo Roncalli was the Pope John the Twenty Third, or do you think it was the tailor of the Pope? Fifteen seconds we on the think clock. It was the Pope. You think it was the Pope? Are you sure? Really? Are you... Would no. you say that Adrian is correct? Would you, don't say Adrian's correct. <laughs> Some would say. Brilliant. Brilliant. I, it was masterful the way you like had to be forced to admit Adrian was correct. You needed a little prodding, you know. Man, you should put him in for... Oh, I was for, waiting for the kids to answer. <laughs> <laughs> Angelo Roncalli is, in fact, Pope John the Twenty Third. So congratulations. You are correct. You are in the cup. You could win. It's uh, very easy. But I'm going to say this next one. <laughs> Easiest question of the day. I don't know. This question looks pretty hard. You think so? Mm-hmm. Hmm. I don't know. Let's find out. Adrian, we'll start with you. Uh-oh. That's dangerous. I've heard that from several of your relatives, by the way. But okay. okay. Nonetheless. Uh, what is the term for the official church mm. of a bishop mm. who has jurisdiction over yes. a diocese, usually located in the sea city? Oh, okay. You're asking for a term which uh, describes an official church of a bishop who has jurisdiction over a diocese usually located in the sea city? Why didn't I say that? It that would be so a, much better from you. That would be a basilica. <laughs> oh, mm-hmm. I see. Mm-hmm. A basilica, you A basilica. Say. Okay. Mm-hmm. I've been to a couple of basilicas. You're very nice. Enough. Very nice place. Wow. Most of the time. Most uh, of the time. Rudy, could you tell me... What is the term for the official church of a bishop who has jurisdiction over a diocese, usually located in the sea city? Well, Adrian, that is a basili answer that you just gave. It's actually <laughs> a cathedral. A cathedral? Yeah, a cathedral. Very on the, the nose. seat of the city. 
Very on the nose, Rudy. Yeah. Are you sure? Yes. Okay. Okay. Uh, Ava and the kids, uh, is this official church of a bishop who has jurisdiction over a diocese usually located in the sea city, a cathedral, as Rudy is suggesting, or is it a basilica, as Adrian seems to think? 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Ava and the kids, what say you? Rudy. Wow, a lot less confident than that. Uh, you guys knew that one, though, right? That was That's easy. Right. Come on. Yes, of course. Cathedral? Cathedras, the chair, uh, is uh, the, the, the bishop's, uh, or symbol of the bishop's authority. Our Lord mentioned the chair of Moses in the synagogues as a re- sort of an Old Testament type. But congratulations, you're in for two. You could win. Let's see if we can't get you a perfect score today, though. I really feel like this next one, it's a gimme. It's so easy. You don't, don't feel like obligated to this have the to hardest question we've ever it's had, actually. just... Really? This is the hardest question we've ever had in the history of Catholic Drive Time. Oof. To date. Wow. All right. Well, let's try. Until today. Uh, we got to start here with Rudy. Rudy, can you tell me, imp- the impediment of age means the candidate is too young for what, sir? The impediment of age means that the candidate is too young for mm-hmm. roller coasters. Really? Yes. I hate that sign with the line. Oh, yeah. I, as a kid, it was the worst. Yeah, I know. Oh. Really a shame. Adrian, maybe you could answer this. The impediment of age means the candidate is too young for what? Well, luckily for this, it's not had nothing to do with height, but it's mm-hmm. matrimony. Mm-hmm. Oh. Matrimony. That's what you're Marriage. Marriage is what brings us together <laughs> today. <laughs> Ava and the kids, is the impediment of age, does that mean the candidate is too young for marriage, as Adrian is saying, or for roller coasters, as Rudy suggests? 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Ava and the kids at Annunciation in Houston, Texas. What say you? Yes, of course. Adrian's right. And what was that, Joe? I'm sorry, what? Say, say again? <clears throat> I was a little phlegm in my throat. I, I, sorry, sorry, I, I couldn't <laughs> hear you. <laughs> Ava and the kids, you guys did great. Perfect score. Thanks. Congratulations. Matrimony is the correct answer. Can't be too young to get married. Well 16 done. for men, well 14 done. for girls. <laughs> Praise be to God. For the record. So you kids, uh, let's just mature a little bit, learn a little bit more, and discern marriage carefully. How about that? Ava, God bless you. Uh, have a great day. It's good to hear your voice. Thanks for playing our game and having a laugh. You have a great week, too. All right. We're going to put you on hold. That's going to do it for the radio side of our show. Thanks for joining us and having uh, great conversations. We'd like to interact with you directly on the after show. Go to grnonline.com forward slash cdt. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. 
from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Welcome to the Holy Mass at Our Lady of Corpus Christi. Today we celebrate the memorial of St. Alphonsus de Liguori, Bishop and Doctor. We offer this holy sacrifice of the Mass for all of our online viewers and all those listening in the Guadalupe Radio Network. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, early in the morning our song shall rise to Thee. Holy, 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 merciful and mighty, God in three persons, blessed Trinity. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with your spirit. Let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore, I ask Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Let us pray. O God, who constantly raise up in your church new examples of virtue, grant that we may follow so closely in the footsteps of the Bishop St. Alphonsus in his zeal for souls, as to attain the same rewards that are his in heaven. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the book of the prophet Jeremiah. In the beginning of the reign of Zedekiah, king of Judah, in the fifth month of the fourth year, the prophet Hananiah, son of Azar from Gibeon, said to me in the house of the Lord, in the presence of the priests and all the people, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, I will break the yoke of the king of Babylon. Within two years I will restore this place, all the vessels of the temple of the Lord, which Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, took away from this place to Babylon. And I will bring back to this place Jeconiah, the son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, and all the exiles of Judah who went to Babylon, says the Lord, for I will break the yoke of the king of Babylon. The prophet Jeremiah answered the prophet Hananiah in the presence of the priests and all the people assembled in the house of the Lord, and said, Amen. Thus may the Lord do. May he fulfill the things you have prophesied by bringing the vessels of the house of the Lord and all the exiles back from Babylon to this place. 
But now listen to what I am about to state in your hearing and the hearing of all the people. From of all the prophets who were before you and me prophesied war, woe, and pestilence against many lands and mighty kingdoms. But the prophet who prophesies peace is recognized as truly sent by the Lord only when his prophetic prediction is fulfilled. Thereupon the prophet Hananiah took the yoke from the neck of the prophet Jeremiah and broke it, and said in the presence of all the people, Thus says the Lord, Even so within two years I will break the yoke of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, from the neck of all the nations. At that the prophet Jeremiah went away. Sometime after the prophet Hananiah had broken the yoke from the neck of the prophet Jeremiah, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. Go tell Hananiah this, Thus says the Lord, by breaking a wooden yoke, you forge an iron yoke. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Yoke of iron I will place on the necks of all nations serving Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and they shall serve him even the beasts of the field I give him. To the prophet Hananiah, the prophet Jeremiah said, Hear this, Hananiah, the Lord has not sent you, and you have raised false confidence in this people. For this says the Lord, I will dispatch you from the face of the earth. This very year you shall die, because you have preached rebellion against the Lord. That same year, in the seventh month, Hananiah the prophet died. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Responsorial Psalm. Lord, teach me your statutes. Lord, teach me your statutes. Remove from me the way of falsehood and favor me with your law. Lord, teach me your statutes. Take not the word of truth from my mouth, for in your ordinances is my hope. Lord, teach me your statutes. Let those return to me who fear you and acknowledge your decrees. Lord, teach me your statutes. Let my heart be perfect in your statutes, that I be not put to shame. Lord, teach me your statutes. Sinners wait to destroy me, but I pay heed to your decrees. Lord, teach me your statutes. From your ordinances I turn not away, for you have instructed me. Lord, teach me your statutes. Alleluia, 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 alleluia. Alleluia. One does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes forth from the mouth of God. Alleluia. 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 The Lord be with you and with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. When Jesus heard of the death of John the Baptist, he withdrew in a boat to a deserted place by himself. The crowds heard of this and followed him on foot from their towns. When he disembarked and saw the vast crowd, his heart was moved with pity for them, and he cured their sick. When it was evening, the disciples approached him and said, This is a deserted place and it is already late. Dismiss the crowd so they can go to villages and buy food for themselves. He said to them, There is no need for them to go away, but give them some food yourselves. 
But they said to him, Five loaves and two fish are all we have here. Then he said, Bring them here to me. And he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass, taking five loaves and two fish and looking up to heaven. He said, Blessing the broke loaves, and gave them to the disciples, who in turn gave them to the crowds. They all ate and were satisfied. And they picked up the fragments left over, twelve wicker baskets full. Those who ate were about five thousand men, non counting women and children. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. In the first reading, it is clear we have the Jeremiah, the prophet of the Lord, clashing against Hananiah, the false prophet. Now prophecy, the word prophet means uh, one who speaks on behalf of another. They don't say their own words, they say what they're commanded to speak. Thus Jeremiah said in his book many times, whatsoever I will command you, you will speak. To whomever I will send you, you will go. But the prophet Hananiah is not speaking on behalf of God, as is clear because of the punishment that she incurred for speaking on her own behalf, or rather uh, a false prophecy that was based on comforting the people. And when it, the people were not facing their own repentance, and it was a, a lie and a denial about the moral reality of Israel, and by wanting to break the yoke of true prophecy, the wooden yoke of true prophecy, which was saying you need to turn away from sin and turn away from the cause of being exiled was that the Israelites sinned. Then you will fashion for yourself a, a yoke of iron. This is a moral reality that by denying the reality that you need to repent, you are going deeper and deeper into this kind of obfuscation or this, this kind of darkness, moral darkness. This is the same for we have today. We have a, a very deep malaise of false prophecy in the world today. On the day that Roe versus Wade was lifted, one of the most power powerful Catholics in the world, the President of the United States, bemoaned the stopping of abortion. Now, this Catholic was a product of 60 years of the church's teaching and formation. There, there's definitely some false prophecy going on in the Catholic Church, even within the church, and this is part of the, the difficulty of false prophecy, that this lie, that uh, the certain moral truths are, are not deeper than others. Like Abortion is not a graver on the moral hierarchy of things, if you are not saying that abortion is a greater evil, you are confused morally. And there is a whole series of false prophecy that arises from that. This is not, it has political implications, but it's primarily a moral one. And this is where the people of God get their prophetic office from the faith, the census fidei, the sense of faith of the faithful. And what's deeper than the Ten Commandments in our faith is that, that abortion is a deeper, graver evil. And if you're, and you're not willing to recognize that, you have a very, very, it's a deeper moral confusion. And so Jesus in the Gospel feeds us, and this is part of the multiplication of 
the loaves. We need Jesus to feed us once again because there is also a moral obfuscation even within the church. Such a powerful leader should have been immediately condemned. He was not. Uh, he should have been, he was late sententiae excommunicated. He was excommunicated by virtue of the fact of what he said. But he should have been ferende, or a published sentence. And the fact that he wasn't is a greater moral confusion because there's a whole bunch of people that would say that's okay. And to, to not say this is evil, do not follow this example. It's kind of like being in a family and the oldest child beats up the youngest child and the parents do nothing. Thus, every other child is, feels a certain kind of sense of insecurity and fear. And there has to be a moral clarity about this issue. There, there must be moral clarity. So we beg Jesus once again to feed the church through the intercession of St. Alphonsus de Liguori, to feed the church the truth, the moral truth of the gospel. St. Alphonsus is the patron saint of moral theology. We, we need it. We had a joke in, in, in seminary said, we, I pray that you don't study immoral theology because that's what it is to say that, that this, these things are okay. And we pray that God, through the intercession of St. Alphonsus Logori, would feed us and the church would be renewed in her moral theology. Let us bring our petitions to the Lord. We pray for the whole church that it may shine forth the holy face of Jesus Christ to the nations in all his splendor. We pray to the Lord, Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for our Holy Father, all bishops and priests, that they may lead the church with wisdom and courage and proclaim the full gospel in season and out of season. For this we pray to the Lord, Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for government leaders. We pray for an end to abortion, same-sex unions, gender confusion, and human trafficking. We pray to the Lord. We pray for all of the sick, the suffering, the poor, and that we may respond to Jesus in his distressing disguise. For these, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for an increase of vocations to priesthood and religious life. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for the renewal of the moral obligation of preaching the full gospel through the intercession of St. Alphonsus Liguori, especially for our bishops, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. And we pray for all of our beloved dead. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Eternal and blessed Father, we ask you to hear us. For make these and all our petitions in the holy name of Jesus Christ and through the powerful intercession of our Mother Mary as we pray together. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Father, we adore you. Lay our lives before you. How we love you, Jesus, we adore you. Lay our lives before you, how we love you. Spirit, we adore you. Lay 
pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. May the Lord accept. May the Lord accept the sacrifice at your hands for the praise and glory of his name, for our good and the good of all his holy church. Be pleased, O Lord, to enkindle our hearts with the celestial fire of your spirit, just as you granted that St. Alphonsus should celebrate these mysteries and by them offer himself to you as a holy sacrifice through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you and with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks, Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God, through Christ our Lord. For as on the festival of St. Alphonsus, you bid your church rejoice, so too you strengthen her by the example of his holy life, touch her by his words of preaching, and keep her safe in answer to his prayers. And so with the company of angels and saints, we sing the hymn of your praise, as without end we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, Lene Suncelia Terra, Gloria Tua, Hosanna in excelsis, Benedictus, qui venit in nomine Domini, Hosanna in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, and all you have created rightly gives you praise. For through your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, by the power and working of the Holy Spirit, you give life to all things and make them holy, and you never cease to gather a people to yourself, so that from the rising of the sun to its setting, a pure sacrifice may be offered to your name. Therefore, O Lord, we humbly implore you, this, by the same Spirit, graciously make holy these gifts we have brought to you for consecration, that they may become the body and blood of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, at whose command we celebrate these mysteries. For on the night he was betrayed, he himself took bread, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, broke the bread, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, and gave the chalice to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. A mystery of faith, we proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again. Therefore, O Lord, as we celebrate the memorial of the saving passion of your Son, his wondrous resurrection and ascension into heaven, and as we look forward to his second coming, we offer you in thanksgiving this holy and living sacrifice. 
Look, we pray upon the oblation of your church and recognizing the sacrificial victim by whose death you will to reconcile us to yourself. Grant that we who are nourished by the body and blood of your Son and filled with his Holy Spirit may become one body, one spirit in Christ. May he make of us an eternal offering to you so that we may obtain an inheritance with your elect, especially with the most blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, blessed Joseph, her spouse, with your blessed apostles and glorious martyrs, with St. Alphonsus de Liguri, and with all the saints on whose constant intercession in your presence we rely for unfailing help. May the sacrifice of our reconciliation, we pray, O Lord, advance the peace and salvation of all the world. Be pleased to confirm in faith and charity your pilgrim church on earth with your servant Francis, our Pope, Michael, our Bishop, the order of bishops, all the clergy, and the entire people you have gained for your own. Listen graciously to the prayers of this family, whom you summon before you in your compassion, O merciful Father. Gather to yourself all your children scattered throughout the world. Remember your servants whom you have called from this world to yourself. Grant that they who are united with your son in a death like his may also be one with him in his resurrection, when from the earth he will raise up in the flesh those who have died and transform our lowly body after the pattern of his own glorious body. To our departed brothers and sisters too, and to all who are pleasing to you at their passing from this life, give kind admittance to your kingdom. There we hope to enjoy forever the fullness of your glory, when you will wipe away every tear from our eyes. For seeing you, our God, as you are, we shall be like you for all the ages and praise you without end. Through Christ our Lord, through whom we bestow on the world all that is good. Row him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. Preceptus salutaribus moniti, divin institutioni formati, audimus dicere, Pater noster, qui est in cevis, sanctifice tuhur nomen tuhum, adveniat regnum tuhum, fiat voluntas tua, sicut in celo et in terra, panem nostrum quotidianum da nobis hodie, et emite nobis debita nostra, Sicut et nos dimitimus, debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationem, sed libera nos amahalo. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity, in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always, and with your spirit. On you Quitolis peccatum mundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, quitolis peccatum mundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, 
vitolis peccatamundi, donna nobis pahachem. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those who are called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word, and my soul shall be healed. Communion Antiphon. Behold, a faithful and prudent steward, to give them their allowance of food at the proper time. Active Spiritual Communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum, benedicta tu in mulieribus. Et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, Ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in ora mortis nostre. Amen. Let us pray. O God, who gave us St. Alphonsus to be a faithful steward and preacher of this great mystery, grant that your faith may receive it often and receiving it, praise you without end through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you and with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in the peace of Christ. Thanks be to God. Salve Regina, Mater Misericordiae, Vita Dulcedo, et spes nostra salve. Ad te clamamus, exules filii hefe, ad te suspiramus, gementes et plentes, in hac lacrimarum vale. Eha ergo, Advocata nostra, 
y los tubos me The prayer to St. Michael. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world seeking the ruins of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg Thee through the intercession and help of the Archangels St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord, amen. Celebrating 2,000 years of truth, this is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Hi, I'm Jenny Granero from the St. Cecilia Catholic Community. You're listening to AM 1430 KSHJ Houston, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network, Radio for Your Soul.